If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and key stage one education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, my name's Andy Burt. I work here at Early Excellence as a curriculum consultant. Thank you very much for downloading our podcast. Um, Where are we now in terms of our term? Well, of course, we're well into the autumn term and you can tell that. In fact, you can possibly hear it. Um, The weather is absolutely lashing down out there. Rain is pouring down against the window. Um, I'm here at the Early Excellence Centre and it's it's been pretty busy, I have to say, over the last week or two. Um, Lots of training, lots of webinars, lots of visits to school happening. um, And absolutely, the autumn term is very much in full swing. Now, as you know, as part of our podcast, what are we aiming to do? Well, we're aiming to to very much challenge and inspire practice. So this week, I think we've got a good one for you. We're going to explore key stage one practice. So we're going to be thinking about what happens next as children move into key stage one, because this really has always been a point of debate. Teachers in year one, particularly, I think, often feel really isolated and kind of sandwiched between two points of polarised polarised practice, really. So on the on one hand, you've got the play-based EYFS provision and practice, and on the other, you've got, generally in year two, a much more formal and directed approach. So let's explore this then. We, we need to think about, actually, what, what does Key Stage 1 practice look like? What could it look like? Maybe what should it look like? I think it's always important to stand back from our practice and really explore what we mean by it and what we're basing our basing our choices on, I think is crucial. So coming up is a full exploration of Key Stage 1 practice, drawing on key pieces of research and also setting out some key principles for us to really move forward with this. OK, so here you go. I hope you find it useful. I hope it gives you lots to think about. I'll be back at the end with some key questions to consider. When we compare the curriculum and practices of the EYFS and that of Key Stage 1, we're often faced with fundamental differences in both style and content. Learning in the EYFS is active, it's play-based, and it's hands-on. It's centred around the child and around them having first-hand experiences. Now, this can be in real stark comparison to the learning that often occurs in Key Stage 1. Now, it's not always the case, of course, but often children in Key Stage 1 might be expected to learn more in an abstract way, with many sessions really led but more by an adult and then followed up by the children by working in books or perhaps on a worksheet, but very much in a directed way. Throughout the EYFS, there's a key difference in that we celebrate the unique child and adults respond to very much individual needs and interests of their children. Once they move into Key Stage 1, however, learning tends to focus more on a particular objective. So a, a, a kind of a, a key focus. And that, that particular objective is covered over a, 
period of time by the adults and the children together. There's another key difference as well when we think about the classroom environment itself. When we compare the learning environments of EYFS and Key Stage 1 learners, we see a tremendous difference between the two. EYFS settings are designed to be an enabling environment with clearly defined areas, resourced and organised to ensure maximum engagement and independent access. So how does that compare to Key Stage 1 classrooms? Well, Key Stage 1 classrooms are often planned in a different way. They're often planned around the desire to provide each child with a place. So a a space to sit, a chair, for example, um, and a space at a table, with usually additional provision being secondary to that. So additional provision is often placed at the edge of the room, probably more for occasional access. Also, when it comes to resources, it tends to be within Key Stage 1 that more resources are stored within cupboards, probably more for occasional access or for adult access, really, rather than child-independent access. So why is there such a difference between the settings we create for our children under five and those between the ages of five and seven? What are we basing our decisions on? Do our Key Stage 1 classrooms support the children we work with or do they reflect our views on classroom management? Is it about what we think the pressures of the national curriculum might be? What are we basing all of our decisions on? I do think it's important that we really unpick this and consider it. So let's go back, shall we? Let's go back to some key pieces of research. Well, if you remember Piaget, So think back to Piaget from your teacher training. Piaget, he said this, he said that when he wrote in 1952, he describes four distinct periods of development, ranging from birth through to adulthood. So, first of all, the pre-operational stage, which runs from two to six years, and is the period during which children learn to use language, think symbolically, and represent their ideas using pictures and objects. During this time, they're highly active, learning through pretend play and first-hand experiences. Other research tells us that it's not until around the age of seven that major developmental changes really take place, when children begin to think in the abstract. At this point, they develop the ability to plan ahead to approach problems more logically and understand another's point of view. That's what Robinson said back in 2008. So key changes around the age of seven rather than at the age of five. So as children, not just as children are going into key stage one, but actually as they're well into year two. So key changes happen at that point when the children are seven. So we've got a number of key questions to ask then. Is the practice that we have within Key Stage 1, is it developmentally appropriate? And is our pedagogy suited to the children we teach? Or do we focus too much on the content and the coverage? Does that come first? Let's unpick this a little bit. Provision. When we think about provision in Key Stage 1, it can be generally perceived as low level and lacking in challenge. So... When we talk about 
opportunities to explore, opportunities to work within provision areas, areas of provision around the room, that can sometimes be seen as something that the children have already done in reception and therefore it perhaps doesn't need to carry on into key stage one. And that if we offer that, then it's lacking challenge. And all it's doing is we're, we're giving the children an opportunity to repeat an experience, really, rather than really challenge them. However, if we offer a well-planned opportunity for provision and exploration of provision within Key Stage 1, there are opportunities not only to link the children's interests into their experiences, but also we can carefully plan it so that we are covering also those demands of the national curriculum. Through providing carefully planned provision, we can provide increasingly challenging and valuable learning opportunities throughout both year one and year two, enabling children to revisit and embed skills and knowledge whilst continuing to strengthen the effective learning behaviours that they had when they left reception. So now is the perfect time to really reflect on what we mean by an effective learning environment within Key Stage 1. And as we do that, I think it's important to reflect on the key principles of continuous provision. So what are those key principles? Well, first of all, start with the child. Have a think about your children. Think about your children that are coming into Key Stage 1. What are they interested in? What will they naturally want to do? Are there key areas of learning that need strengthening, perhaps, or revisiting? So at the start of the year, in year one, of course it's important to have that conversation with your reception colleagues. Finding out about those children coming into your year, coming into year one, and finding out actually what will they be fascinated by, what will they want to naturally do. Other key principles. Prioritise areas of provision according to the space you have available and how effectively you can resource them. Okay, so think about the space you have. Which areas will be the most important areas for you to provide? Will that be paint and workshop? Will it be small world and block play? Might it be small construction? There could be a range of different areas, but of course, if space is of a premium, then we've got to think about actually what will we prioritise? How, how will it be the same? So how will it offer continuity? But also, how will it offer progression? How will it be this building on the skills from reception? And how will it be extending them? How will, we, how will it be building on them and challenging those children? Okay, other key principles. Create a clearly defined space for each area of your continuous provision. Make it really clear in terms of what is where. Also, make sure that the resources you provide earn their place by providing lots of possibilities for learning. It's really important to have ownership of the materials and resources that you're offering there. Other key things to consider, organise resources carefully and make them accessible to the children so that children can easily get to those materials and keep coming back to their ideas and thoughts so they can build on their learning over a longer period of time. And as well as that, consider the ways in which you group, 
display and label your resources to provide opportunities for incidental learning. So that even during tidy up time, there are opportunities for categorising, matching, exploring mathematical concepts. So that you're embedding some of those key skills through your environment. The decisions you make must also, of course, reflect the expectations we have for our children by the end of the year and, of course, of the key stage. So we've got to consider all sorts of things. What skills and knowledge do we want, your, do we want our children to master? And, therefore, what equipment must we provide? So what resources are going to earn their place to challenge your children? to get them thinking, to get them asking questions that you can perhaps really tie into some of your, some of your projects that you're going to be covering. All of those ideas are key to ensuring, ensuring progression, progression of ideas, but also making that learning meaningful so that the environment supports teaching and learning in a variety of different ways. So continuous provision in year one. It's important that it's not just seen as something that's up the edge of practice, not something we just do when we finished our work. That, so in the space that we've got left, the time we've got left at the end of a session, go and, go and access the provision. But actually, it's very much part of our curriculum and very much part of our pedagogy. It's not just an add-on. It's not just another thing to fit in alongside the curriculum. It very much is the curriculum. Okay, so I hope that's got you thinking. It's certainly, I, th I think, something to really share with your colleagues this. Have that conversation with your colleagues around Key Stage 1 practice. What it looks like, what it could look like. I think all of those conversations are so important. So I've put together some key questions that you might want to consider with your colleagues. So first question, in your school, does your key stage one practice effectively build on your EYFS pedagogy? OK, so is it, is it seamless in terms of that transition between EYFS and key stage one? We often talk about transition as if it's a series of events. And yet, from our point of view, transition really needs to be about the practice. Because otherwise we're expecting children with just a six week holiday in between to go from one version of practice to something completely different. OK, so really think about that. Secondly, does the practice in year one and year two offer both continuity and progression for children as they move on from the EYFS? So does it offer some familiar resources? So those resources that are familiar but earn their place so they have still lots of possibilities those resources alongside other specific materials and resources that are very much more challenging for your children for that specific age range so continuous continuity and progression is important to consider and thirdly do you have within your key stage one classrooms do you have well-planned continuous provision areas so that children can develop their own ideas and also, of course, develop a range of learning skills and attributes too. 
Okay, lots to think about there. Um, let us know how you get on. Get in touch with us. It would be great to hear how you're doing with this. So you can get in touch with me. My email address is just andy at earlyexcellence.com. You can get in touch with me on uh, social media, on Twitter as well. So I'm at andybertex. You can get in touch with me on there as well. Um, and of course, early on Early Excellence, we're on all of the different platforms, all the, the, the different social media platforms. Okay, it'd be good to hear from you. And if our podcast has really got you thinking about Key Stage 1 provision and practice, you may well want to know that we have recently published our Guide to Continuous Provision for Key Stage 1 Children. Our guide explores all aspects of quality practice from underpinning principles to resources and routines, from that right the way through to the role of the adult. Inside you will discover introductory chapters focusing on the principles of best practice, information on how to plan and resource continuous and enhanced provision. You'll also find guidance on planning, planning out your space, organising your resources and managing your routines. Lots of advice on the role of the adult and how to develop children's independent learning. And importantly, you'll find a full set of provision plans for five to seven year old children, one for each area of your provision. In addition to this, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a set of discussion points and activity ideas to support you as you review your current provision, making this guide very much a must-have resource for all staff working with, uh, within year one and year two. You can find more information about our Key Stage 1 guide, our Key Stage 1 provision guide, on our Early Excellence website. If you go to www.earlyexcellence.com, if you go to the Ideas and Inspiration section, you'll find our, our Guide to Continuous Provision section within there. We'll also put a link to that page within the podcast description. <laughs>